So uh, Romans 8, 17 to 24, and if I can have one of the young men, um, you guys are always so gracious with this, uh, come and grab the mic because we're going to do some uh, question and answers at least as we get started. Romans 8, 17 to 24, I'm not going to, oh, thanks, thanks, Gideon. Uh I'm not going to apologize uh, for the small font because you have it in your Bibles too. So go ahead, turn to Romans 8, 17 to 24, and uh, I thought that this would be a good place to start because there's a, a bunch of phrases here that talk about our glorification. So go ahead and either turn there or or follow along. I'm going to read through, and as I read through, um, you're going to just kind of be looking for places where it talks about our being transformed, okay? And then I'm going to have you shout out where you see that. So in verse 17, oh, I just revealed the first one, but you can tell me where you see some of those phrases, okay? So I'm going to read Romans 8, 17 to 24, because this is a great place to start thinking about our glorification. Uh, Romans 8, 17 to 24. And he says, and and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. I mean, what a privilege we could just have there. But provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption, obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But we are hoping for what we don't have yet, for what is yet, is what is yet unseen. So as we look at those verses here, just raise a hand and, and uh, call out um, where in those verses it talks about our being glorified, our being transformed uh, to become like Jesus Christ. Does anyone see one, a phrase there that talks about that? This, this is our participation Yes, Hyun, thank you. Verse 18, where it says, um, sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Okay, great. Yeah, so, 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 so we are waiting for a glory that is going to be revealed to us, and we see a little bit of where he's going there, that it's contrast to suffering. Thank you. Is there another phrase you see? It's early. It's cold. It says free from bondage. Right. Yes. Okay, great. So free from bondage. And that is creation, right? And so somehow when, when we go through a change, creation is going to go through, through a change. Great. What's another one? Hugo doesn't need the mic. Okay, we'll wait for more, for more interesting questions. Um, verse 17 describes being glorified with him. Uh, verse 19 is the revealing of the sons of God. Verse 21, freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 23, we're waiting eagerly for adoption as sons. And there he describes it as the redemption of our bodies. And, and, and 
end of verse 23. It's a really interesting phrase. The redemption of our bodies. Redemption uh, is buying back, right? It's buying back uh, to give us freedom. And here, being Christians, it's being bought back for freedom to serve. Now, Paul has already talked about this redemption of our bodies, and we didn't read it here, but in, in, in Romans 8.11. So if you're Bible's open. You can just go, go back a few verses where it says, If uh, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So he's saying the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's the redemption of our body. It's our resurrection. Just like Jesus was raised from the dead, we are going to be raised from the dead. Now, it's really interesting in verse 24, it says um, that we were, so uh, verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. Well, we can see what that hope is there, right? That, that hope is this confidence of our resurrection, of the redemption of our bodies, of our glorification. Now, that's fascinating. In this hope, we were saved. Now, for you getting saved, that may not have been a big part of the gospel being told to you, right? You may not have thought a lot about, and I get a new body, right? It's I get my sins forgiven. I get peace with God. But um, um, Paul is saying that in this hope, we were saved. Our salvation, past tense, is in this hope, and that hope is the uh, redemption of our body. So we see there that that's not just kind of like a, a, a interesting tack on uh, when Jesus comes back and we get bodies. Like, oh, well, that's nice. I'm glad that this is going somewhere. That's part of our salvation hope. Um, our gospel hope is not only being with God. It's true. That is part of it. Um, but it is not a, a immaterial hope we have. The hope that we were saved in is a material hope, that we are going to have new bodies, that we're going to enjoy eternity as a creature. And when we talk about that future hope that we're talking about, it is our glorification. So let's look at some statements here describing uh, glorification. I, know I kind of went in it backwards starting with the passage, but uh, 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 here's one that I think is cool by Wayne Grudem. Glorification is the final step in the application of redemption, right? Uh, redemption is not done until you are in your new body. So it's the final step. Now, we know that there's a lot that is done. You are justified now. There's a portion of a sense in which you are sanctified now. You are adopted now. Um, but redemption is not finished until glorification. It's accomplished. It's just not the final application to you. So Jesus did the work. You just haven't fully enjoyed it yet. There's a neat quote here by John Murray. Um, uh, glorification means the attainment of the goal to which the elect of God were predestinated in the eternal purpose of the Father. Wow, which is just so cool. That okay, It's the attainment of the goal. It's getting what God chose you for, right? If you're not glorified, you're not really getting what God chose you for. So that's neat. We are waiting for it, all right? This is the longing that we have. This is the, in this hope, we were saved. See, we're, we were predestined in the eternal purpose of the Father, and it involves the consummation of the redemption secured and procured by the 
vicarious work of Christ. So what Christ did in in, in our behalf, we're waiting for the, for the consummation of it, for the finality of it, for the completion of it. That redemption, it is secured. It has been gotten by Christ's work in our place, but we are still waiting for it, and glorification is finally getting it. I think I've got another quote here by, by John Murray. Um, so I've been uh, quoting a lot from, from John Murray's book, A Redemption a, 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 a Accomplished and Applied. Um, this is mostly from the second half of that book. I never read the first half. The second half, though, is like a highly underlinable book. So just like sentence after sentence is just fantastic. It makes me want to go and read the first half. Um, so, John, so John Murray says that the that, that, that glorification is the complete and final redemption of the whole person when in the integrity of the body and spirit the people of God will be conformed to the image of the risen, exalted, and glorified Redeemer when the very body of their humiliation will be conformed to the body of Christ's glory. I mean, there's parts of there that may give you goosebumps, right? Like, in the integrity of the body and spirit, that's the whole person. You are not just spirit. Um, that, that, that you are body and spirit. And so we're waiting for this integrity, conform to the image of the risen, exalted, and glorified Redeemer, who is also, for eternity, body and spirit, right? God the Son become man. So we get to be transformed to his image. We're going to bring those back, I think, at some point. Okay, um, so I, I was going to ask you what were some, some, some significant phrases on that John Murray quote, but I just told you what they were. And so let's go ahead to... Uh, um, I've got another uh, quote here from, from uh, um, well, you know, let's just take a second. Are there any questions that you have about this doctrine, right? So we're talking about glorification, um, that it's not just our spirit, but when our spirit gets resurrected into a new body, we're going to become like Jesus Christ. Um, I'm going to ask for questions, and then maybe we'll see which of those questions get answered. Any questions about this doctrine? Okay, great. Let's go to uh, a, 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 another qu quote here on, uh, and this is from 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 biblical doctrine by uh, by by Greedom. Oh, we're coming back here. Thanks, guys. Thought that that was a fantastic recovery. Okay, and we're gonna go ahead. I can. I think I can scroll through. Oh, no, it's revealing all the secret things. Okay. Okay, so here's from, from, from the uh, TMS uh, Biblical Doctrine. Uh, glorification is the radical transformation of both the body and the soul of, of believers, perfecting them in holiness and thereby fitting them for eternal life on the new earth in perfect communion with the triune God. Now, as soon as you die... The transformation to your, 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 your immaterial portion is finished. Glorification is as uh, body and soul together are perfected in holiness. And this is beautiful. Fitting them for eternal life on the new earth in perfect communion with the triune God. I was just meeting with a brother this week. And this really uh, ties together the story of the Bible. In We were made to live in the garden with God. Right? We are made to expand that garden. It's going to fill the whole earth. We were going to live in communion with God as people. We weren't made just to sing praise in heaven. 
Now, that's a wonderful thing, and I know we're all looking forward to that. And I'm not exactly sure if, like, we'll get tickets to go to heaven at time and we get to be around the throne, what exactly all that's going to be like. Um, but you are going to be forever on the new earth in a real body. So while you are, like, groaning, it is not groaning just to get out of a body. And, like, I can't wait to be an immaterial thing around God's throne. You're groaning to be the new you for eternity on a new earth working and bringing glory to God in a perfect world. That is what you were made for. And uh, that is what glorification ensures is going to be ours. So here's a last quote. Uh, In justification, uh, they are freed from the penalty of sin. Sanctification, they are freed from the power of sin and glorification. They are finally freed from the very presence of sin in both body and soul. Um, And we would maybe make a little qualification. We're going to be in our glorified bodies during Jesus's, as much as I understand, during his thousand-year reign. And so we will still be in a world that still has some of the effects of the curse of sin. And when we get in in, 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 into the eternal state, a sin will be eradicated for eternity. That's pretty cool, though, to think about. So I'm not going to try to get all crazy as far as timelines. This is a church that teaches that Jesus is going to reign a thousand years uh, uh, on earth. We're going to be in our glorified bodies. And uh, um, so I don't have enough time for this. So I'm going to do it anyways. But, uh, but have, uh, have, have many of you seen the Lord of the Rings movies? Who's seen the Lord of the Rings movies? A bunch of you, okay. So Rivendell, right, where where all the elves are, it's a pretty cool place, right? And it's kind of uh, preserved from how bad the world is getting. You've got all these elves there who are making beautiful music and living for a really long time. And I just kind of thought about how cool is it going to be, not really knowing what it's going to be like. We're around Jesus' throne in our glorified, new, perfect bodies, creating music and working in gardens. Um, but we're not just going to stay in our little Rivendell or, 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 our, or our new 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 Jerusalem or along Christ's throne because we're workers. So if you think about it, it's still a sin-cursed world, right? It's better but I, um, because the Bible talk, talks about people living for a super long time, but it talks about that, that, that there's going to be a rebellion at the end. So it's interesting to think about us not just you know, being all elves in Rivendell, loving how beautiful everything is, but we're going to be doing good works in a world that's still having the effects of sin. So think about us as humans are still being born, going around, and maybe, I don't know, we're like doing foster care, or maybe we are uh, finding the uh, cures for cancer. I don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but it's just not thinking about us just kind of like being in our our, our little city with Jesus. We're going to be humans getting to be in our glorified bodies, doing good works on the world, I think. I'm looking at Pastor Joshua because I think it makes sense. You know, maybe okay. Yeah, so he's giving me, oh, okay. So uh, we can talk to him later <laughs> about that. But it's fun thinking. So next time you want to see what, to see what the new earth is going to be like, just take a little trip to uh, Rivendell. It's beautiful. Okay. For those of you who have no idea what that's about, um, you should read the books first. Okay, because they're better. Okay, so let's look at some key passages, and uh, let's talk about the certainty of glorification, okay? And the Bible wants you to know that you will be glorified, and that this is important. This is not just, like, I know for some of you, I'm like, oh, he just got into weird end time stuff there. 
If there is something that God wants you to know, it's that you are going to be in a body, and that is important. You are going to be glorified. He tells you this again and again and again. He wants you to know how certain it is. Like in Romans 8, 29 to 30, some people describe this as the golden chain. And I, I, I just saw, saw a meme about this this past week. For those whom he foreknew, who he, who he loved uh, in that saving way, he also predestined for a purpose to be conformed to the image of his son, not just in the, Im, in the immaterial, Right? as a person, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Not that Jesus is a spirit among many other spirits. We know that Jesus forever is in flesh, right? So he's the firstborn among many brothers, the whole new humanity that is first is an Adam, and now we are in Christ. He's the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestinated, he also called. And that's when you hear the gospel and you're like, I want it. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And that glorified here is past tense glorified. And you're like, but I haven't been glorified. Exactly. He's so confident that he can say in the future what's in, in, in the past tense. We know this is going to happen. And that's the certainty of this passage here, right? So in eternity past, do we know that God loved sinners and chose to save them? Yes. All of those, every single one of them, will be called, will be justified, and will be glorified. It is as certain as your justification. So the end, and like this is cool, the end of God knowing you, putting his love on you, is not your justification. That's not the final end of it, right? That's, and, and, and I don't mean, and it's not even the final purpose. That purpose is going somewhere. And that purpose that's going is towards your glorification. When Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and for all eternity, the only people on God's new heaven and new earth are those who've been glorified in Christ, like Christ, loving God uh, with the love that Christ has given us as we share his life. That's just it's exciting. Okay, so that's the certainty. It's the certainty of glorification. Uh, if you think your justification is certain, your glorification is, is, is certain. Um, if you think, if you're not sure if you've been justified, I'd love to, to talk to you and I preach good news to you. Um, here's some whys of glorification. I didn't put the verses there because this is a point we could ask that question if we wanted. What are some whys of glorification? Why does God glorify you. Why doesn't he just kind of, kind of like, and, and you die, and you get to be a immaterial being, very happy? Why? And Steph has got the mic ready. Is that anyone got any speculating, hypothesizing verse that stands out to you? I'm not going to go through all the whys. Yes, Melissa. Sorry. Okay, so this is just a the first thing that came to mind is that uh, he began a good work and he's going to complete it. So if he created us to live with him, yeah. then that's our future. And we need bodies to do that. Yeah, yeah, great, yeah, yeah. And because that is part of what it means to be human, right? Yeah, he's going to bring it to completion. Is there another why? Yes, Hugo. So it... It reminds me of the garden and how God's original design was to have fellowship with us uh -huh. in a physical form. <clears throat> so I, I think the glorification is the fulfillment 
of what was what was uh, tarnished or ruined by by the fall at creation at, yeah. or in Genesis. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. No, it's and and and, and I'll mention that again later. It's really um, a return to what God did being good. Right. It's 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 like and now I'm going to have to go a different direction with this whole human thing because it was botched the first time. Any otherwise? Yeah, Julie. Will's coming with the mic. We need someone named Mike to run with it. Mike's Jesus coming. himself has a glorified body, so mm. it makes sense that we would, because eternally, after the resurrection, he has that body, so yeah. I think we're going to interact in the same way. Yeah, I mean, it would, it would be very strange to have Jesus there eternally uh, joined to a, uh, his, his glorified body and not us, right? Yeah. All right, let's uh, look at, at a uh, couple of verses here. Now, there are many answers, and you guys have, have, have done some. Here's kind of a little uh, 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 theme, though, is in uh, Colossians 1.22. Um, he, uh, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So we know where we're going. We are going to be presented before God holy and blameless and above reproach. Ephesians 5.27 um, has said something like, he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and, and, and without blemish. Now again, you could say, well, does it really mean we need a body to be before him blameless? But we see that uh, God's purpose Purpose is bringing holy saints before him. Now we see this in Philippians 3, 20 to 21 kind of ties this together. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, our current body, to be like his glorious body. And this pulls it all together by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So if he has power, and he does over all of creation, he has the power um, to transform these current bodies into his glorious body for the purpose of us forever being, being appropriate to God's presence. Appropriate to his presence, but also human, right? So there is this... Um, this mystery we know and well i'm not going to jump ahead yet okay so now that's a just 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 some of the whys but then there's the when and how and there's a couple passages that describe this one is first thessalonians 4 14 to 17 uh, for since we believe that jesus died and rose again even so now uh we're going to see that, that 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 that's important there since we believe that Jesus died and rose again because he resurrected. Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who've fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who've fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Um, so what we're going to see here is that what God does is that there's a union of the body with the resurrected soul. Okay, so... so so in verse 14, 
since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Our waiting for our glorification is based on the fact that Jesus died and rose again, that Jesus has the same physical body that he died in. Now, it's a glorified body, but it's the same body, right? They went into the tomb and said, wow, um, that body's still there, and look at his new body. Wow, there's two bodies. There's two. You would think, if there's two bodies, what would you think? There must be two Jesuses. Right? We understand that we as humans, two bodies means two people. Right? Jesus was resurrected in the same body, but it's glorified. Um, um, now that is what God is going to do with us in verse 14. It says that God will bring with him those who have fallen, who have fallen asleep. Those who are brothers and sisters who have died, who are in God's presence now, are going to be brought back from heaven with Jesus... But, but they're, not, they're not complete yet. They're happy, but they're not complete yet. Because it says in verse 16, And the dead in Christ will rise first. So their perfected souls are with God. We don't know exactly how, what that existence is exactly like, but they are very happy. And we're going to look at verses, verses about that now. They are, they are human, but they don't have their final body yet. When those who fall asleep come back, the dead in Christ will rise first. They are joined with their new resurrected bodies. So we see here that there is a connection between our glorification and our first body, right? It's those who are coming back are joined with their resurrection, right? Now, um, now the rest of us who are still alive are automatically glorified bypassing death. But it's, but it, and it's probably not difficult for us to think about, well, this body's going to be changed, right? Um, now, let's look at, at, at 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 57. So it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery, which maybe is how we feel right now, like this is all very mysterious. Uh, uh, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Hey, we we uh, see the significance there um, that we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on, on, on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where's, where's your victory? O death, where's your sting? The sting of death the sin, the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I just want to emphasize there um, that it is our perishable bodies, our first bodies that are changed. Our perishable body has to be put upon the imperishable. The mortal body has to put on, on, on immortality. The dead are raised, we shall be changed. And this happens at the return of Christ. So we see that our glorification is inseparable from the coming of Christ in glory. Romans 8, 17 says, um, and we looked at this, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Glorification is glorification with Christ because he's glorified. When he returns, we are going to be glorified. 1 John 3, 2 brings all that to together. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. 
But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. So we are longing for that. We'll talk a a, a little bit more about what the blessing of that is. Um, But we're not the only ones who are longing for that. So when does this, this happen? It doesn't happen just upon death. It happens at the return of Christ. And it's at the return of Christ that the dead are raised to their glorified bodies, and then those who are living are, 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 are transformed. We see, though, that we're not the only ones longing. That creation is also longing in Romans 8, 19 to 22. And we read this earlier. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for that glorification, for that transformation. Creation is groaning. It was subjected to, to uh, futility, to disease, to corruption, to natural disasters, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, God, and hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That creation will enjoy the freedom that we enjoy as glorified new uh, in, 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 in our glorified new bodies. It does seem like there's going to be a lag that during the thousand years reign of Christ that the uh, earth is going to enjoy tremendous blessing, um, but that it's going to be, be, be ultimately finalized in the eternal state. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some, 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 some clarifications about glorification. I don't know if I could say that 10 times fast. Some clarifications about glorification. And the first, I kind of like, like, like jumped ahead and I've been talking about this some. The believer's death is not the same as glorification, right? The believer's death is not the same as glorification. 2 Corinthians 5.8, we are of good courage. We'd rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. When we die, that's wonderful. We get to be with Jesus Christ. Nothing will ever take us from his presence again. Philippians 1.23, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. We long for that. We can't wait for that. Um, But being in Jesus' presence isn't the same as glorification. Uh, Being with Christ after death, and here's a quote, is not the goal of the believer's hope and expectation. Now, sometimes I think it is, right? Paul talks like it is. I can't wait to be with Christ. But that's not really our final hope. That's not like, like that's really, really good. Um, but that's not what we were created for. That's not uh, where our redemption ends, right? So our, our hope, our expectation, and this is good for, I think, all of our longing and those who have had loved ones who have passed away know this, right? They're, they are with Jesus, but we are not reconciled yet. This is not the final thing. Um, so we see in, uh, uh, let's see, oh yeah, so here's a quote that death is the wages of sin, right? We, we all know that. And the death of believers does not deliver them from death. Okay, kind of is a little bit of head scratcher there. The death of believers does not deliver them from death. We're like, but isn't it wonderful? Yes, it's wonderful. Aren't they with Christ? Yes, they are with Christ. But we know that they're, they're still dead, right? Their, their body hasn't been resurrected. It's why, it's why the dead in Christ rise first, because they're still dead. So this is, I think, makes us long for Christ's return more, and it just, I think, fleshes out a little bit of our, where we place our hope. It's not just on being with Christ after death, it's 
the whole thing. It's, it's the finality of what God is accomplishing on this earth. When, when we get to be with him in our new resurrected bodies, that's where we've kind of set our hope in. In this hope, we were saved. You may not have even gotten saved knowing that hope, but in that hope, you, you, you were saved. Trust me, okay? So, um, and, and, and then he says, the last enemy, death, has not yet been destroyed. It's not yet been swallowed up, up, up in victory. In Romans 8, 23, not only the creation, we ourselves, who are the first fruit of the Spirit, grown inwardly, not as we just wait for Jesus' presence, although that's true, but as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. That is what we are longing for and waiting for. Um, so the believer's death is not the same as glorification. It's wonderful. It's home. But it's not what we're hoping in. We're hoping in our new body. Now, uh, I've probably spent too much time on this already. We'll just look at it quickly. The glorified body will be our body. And you might be like, I don't even know how that's totally possible. And because what I know about the preservation of matter and energy, there's only so many molecules. And uh, those molecules, we know that uh, um, lots of things have happened to bodies, right? And it's difficult to think, how are those bodies going to be resurrected? That's a great question. And I don't know. <laughs> but the, the scripture is really clear that our body is going to be resurrected. Right? And, and you might be like, hey, Adam has been eaten. You know, like Adam, you know, was alive, like, let's say, 8,000 years ago. And he has been in a lot of places over the last 8,000 years, right? Whatever those Adams are, they've become dirt. And what Adam's Adams have been well disseminated across the, the earth. And so I don't know how his body, provided he is in Christ, which he seems to be, will be, will be resurrected. Okay. Um, but it's important because Scripture really talks about this. Uh, the body, we, we, we inherit in, uh, uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah, okay, we, we, we can skip the quote. Okay, so Romans eight eleven. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Not someone else's mortal body. You might be like, but I don't know where it is. That's okay. To your mortal bodies, to your physical somehow, through his spirit who dwells in you. Actually, I've been thinking about this. Like, wouldn't it be interesting if God does that because, like, like using our DNA? I don't know what happens to DNA when all that stuff goes away, but he has that plan perfectly, right? He knows how to make us a mortal body. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But, uh, uh we don't need to speculate. For, uh, Philippians 3, 3.21, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, the same transformation that Christ went through, right? Your lowly body, this body, whatever happens to you after death, even if Jesus tarries for 4,000 more years, is going to be transformed to be like his glorious body. It's, it, it is interesting. Why does scripture emphasize this so much? There's certainty that you are going to be resurrected. You as you are now, right? You're going to have the perfect you on a physical new earth. This is something, and we, we could probably spend more time, be great to talk about lunch. Why is this so important? We're getting a little bit there, but it's, it's really important. It's, it, it is a big deal. We already looked at 1 Corinthians 15 where it talks about the dead will be raised imperishable. Um, we shall be changed. So there is a change that's happening in Christ, uh, and, and Christ's death is the model of that. Um, so we can celebrate, and, 
Uh, oh wait, well, and I've got one, one, one quote be, 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 before I move forward to that slide, and here's just a, a guess why, and Grudem says, it's living proof of the wisdom of God in making a material creation that from the beginning was very good. Living proof of the wisdom of God in making a material creation that from the beginning was very good, right? It's living proof. Really? So, I don't know. I didn't mean to get all, all, all uh, Jurassic Park there, but I kind of did deny, right? I mean, because like, that's basically what they did in Jurassic Park. They used DNA that was inside the little amber, the bug, and they made dinosaurs. Maybe that's what God's going to do with us. I don't know, but you're going to have your body. It's going to be awesome. So, okay, so now we're going to celebrate. So the goodness of this new body. This is a cool passage that I don't know everything it means, but it's really good. And really, you can look at various commentaries, and they're like, I get the gist of it, but it's wonderful. It's going to be thrilling. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 44. Um, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, talking about body A. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown in a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So Paul here contrasts, uh, he, he makes four contrasts between perishable and imperishable. Okay, so we know what, and, we, and like this is the, the easier one, right? So perishable, um, we, 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 we can have infirmities, uh, our bodies can, can de, 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 deteriorate, experience corruption, decay, age, sickness, disease, right? We know it is perishable. That idea of imperishable, it means it can't be broken, right? And there will be no decay to it ever. There'll be no aging to it. There'll, there'll be no breakdown to it for all eternity. It is imperishable. The perishable is going to uh, be replaced with the imperishable. It was sown, and whether that means burial or being in Adam, it was perishable, but that body is going to be raised differently without the effects of sin, imperishable. Um, it is sown in dishonor, and it's raised in a glory. It's really interesting to think, well, what is this dishonor? Um, um, we know that we use our bodies for sin. Sometimes people use our bodies for sin. We feel guilt and shame. There's hiding. We know that we are imperfect, afraid of being exposed. Now, either that is because uh, of our sin or of all of our being in Adam. Sometimes we even feel dishonored because of other people's sin, right? But that is not what we're going to feel for eternity. There will be no shame eternally. Right? There'll be no dishonor, but only glory. Not totally sure, but we know it's going to be pure. We know it's going to be honorable, the opposite of dishonor. We know it's going to be perfectly suited to please God, to enjoy God, to praise God. Our hearts are always going to be bursting in happiness towards him, always thankful. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, uh, Gr Grudem speculated about this idea of glory. And uh, I don't know. But he talked about how Moses came away from meeting with God and his face shined, which is interesting. Um, and then Jesus, went, when, when he was transfigured, his face shone. Interesting, maybe Adam had a very shiny face. And I don't even know what that looked like, but uh, we know in the best possible way, you know, uh, God's glory is going to affect us 
and we are going to be radiant, right? M maybe not actually like light bulbs, um, but uh, um, so it is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Weakness that that that, that maybe this is some of the of, of the physical limitations that follow the fall. We know that we God intended humans to be finite, right? We 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 weren't meant to be in all places. We weren't superhuman. We we were still finite. Um, we were still limited, but so maybe this, this, this weakness is the physical limitations of the fall. Even as we feel that now, we want to please God more than we are able. That, 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 that we are tempted to sin, that even now we're, we're unable to do what we want. Well, when we are raised in power, I don't know that that means superhuman strength or like we're all, the earth is full of superhumans. I don't think so. I think we're still going to be awfully finite, uh, not awfully, wonderfully finite, yeah, um, but finite, and we're going to have, uh, as, as Grudem says, full and complete human power and strength, so exactly what humans were intended to be, the strength that God intended human beings to have in their bodies when he created them, wonderfully limited, and enjoying being limited, right, but all of that limitations uh, being used for God's glory, a, 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 a heart that is 100% um, using whoever he's made us, for his glory. Now, um, Paul, Paul talks about the uh, distinction between natural and, 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 and spiritual. So spiritual here doesn't mean non-physical. Okay? Um, probably the idea is that um, whatever is in a line with God's spirit. So natural doesn't mean physical. Natural means uh, subject to what this sinful age is. Is, is like. Natural is to be governed by sin, to be dominated, to be always influenced by wrong desires, to be wanting to escape them and, and, and still struggling to. That is natural here. As compared to spiritual, when we have the freedom we enjoy now but are longing for more of, the freedom from selfishness, right? To have no selfishness for all eternity, to only be generous Forever, to be like God, to have God's spirit um, uh, making us, I mean, or I don't know if making us, but having transformed us to, 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 always, be, to always be like him. There's a neat quote here. Um, imagine what this is like, and this is why we're so excited. Um, to be entirely submitted to and in perfect harmony with the Holy Spirit, right? To, to never have any desire opposite, uh, to never have any ability I mean, to never want to do anything you couldn't do because we're always going to want God's will and always be able to do it. Um, uh, to, to, have to be undisturbed by the deceitful lust of sin, truly godly ambitions and aspirations, a physical body that's able to carry out all those holy impulses without a moment's distraction or weariness, Therefore, we'll be able to fully enjoy the bounties of the new creation God has created for his people. That is what we are looking forward to. So we can think about, about, about how we should apply this. Um, and a question is, what do we learn about the physical world from this doctrine? And, um, yeah, Steph's got that. As you think, does, does this influence how you think about the physical world? Yeah, Doreen? 
I think it just helps us to put it into perspective, especially okay. in light of everything you hear um, in our culture okay. about how God will glorify us and the world will change. Mm-hmm. And we're to be good stewards, mm-hmm. but we don't have control over the plan that God has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That 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 this is tied to an eternal picture, right? So it lets us groan now, which is how we think about the physical world. It is cursed, and then we look forward to the eternal state. But it's going to be physical, right? You are going to have real human bodies. You are human. That is what God chose to redeem. He did not just redeem your soul. You are not just a soul captured in a body. The body is not bad and the soul good, right? Um, So that is what it means to be human on a new earth. It's going to be wonderful. Any other thoughts about that? Yeah, James, you got one? Cademan to your uh, left. So um, uh, just as we have to go through a change, mm-hmm. right? And so um, many of us who study biology can see like, you know, a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Uh-huh. It has to f- profoundly change. So as we understand it, you know, we, we don't look at caterpillar and say that's different. I mean, it's a different creature than a butterfly because it came from there, right? But there is a significant difference and in the same way, God almost resets the world. Mm. So it's 1.0 to like 2.0. Yeah. It's a complete redo. So earth has to dis- be destroyed, right? And he sets a new creation. Yeah. So it, I, I think from that vantage point, we have to be mindful that, uh, you know, and I know many of us heard this before, but it's going to burn. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a very sober reminder too, right? And God will judge by fire. So Yeah. Yeah, boy, like that has, has, has all kinds of applications for how we deal with our physical world now. And, uh, um, you, you know, I'll uh, jump ahead that, uh, well, I'll go back there, but uh, um, how should glorification change the way we think about suffering, which is kind of tied to that, right? And uh, here's a quote by, uh, from, 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 from Biblical Doctrine. It was the hope of a glorified body that galvanized Paul to totally surrender his natural body to the mistreatment and persecution that attended a life of gospel ministry. So that's kind of like tied into what you're saying, that the, the new is going to be totally new. But along with that, that changes our relationship with, with, with this world. Like, are we trying to grab hold of things to be enjoyed in, a, in our body when we're waiting for a new body and internal joy? And so, like, as we uh, think about Paul kind of talking uh, 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 about suffering in 2 Corinthians 5.1, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, right? That lets us be okay to spend this body for him, right? Even physically, even to the point of persecution and suffering, we get a new body, or Romans 8, 17, 18. I've, I've, I've said it, but uh, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that, that, that is to be revealed to us. 
So it's kind of like, you know, your, 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 your money in the bank, in the sense of your body, is meant to be spent, right? Like, like you know that you have an infinite bank account waiting for you as soon as you extinguish this one. You just got to spend everything in it. And then you get an eternal bank account, right? When this body's done, you get a new one. So we are free to spend it not for ourselves, but for him who loved us and gave himself for us. Um, I did want to go back to, to this quote by, uh, by John Murray again. But this is a fascinating, uh, 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 fascinating idea. And the way, the way that we think about what it means to be humans. So, so let's try this here. The biblical doctrine of, of, in, of, in, of in, immortality, excuse me, if we may use that term, is the doctrine of glorification. But sometimes we don't always think that. We think that the soul's immortal, and glorification is something that happens later. But he's saying the biblical doctrine of, of immortality is the doctrine of glorification. And glorification is resurrection. Without resurrection of the body from the grave and the restoration of human nature to its completeness after the pattern of Christ's resurrection on the third day, and according to the likeness of the glorified human nature in which he will appear on the clouds of heaven with great power and glory, there is no glorification. So without resurrection, there is no glorification. So we're not just to be thinking about, oh, everyone is going to live forever, either in heaven or hell, and that's true, right? The soul is immortal. But that's not really what the Bible focuses on. The Bible doesn't focus on immaterial souls going into eternity. The Bible focuses on there's a resurrection for everyone, the living and the dead, right? Everyone is going to have a physical body for eternity. So that it just gets to the very heart of, I think, what we think being human is and what, what is good and what we're doing here in this life and what we're looking forward to. Um, we have just a couple minutes. Oh, well, let's see here. I've got another sentence. I should probably read because I don't even know what it says. Here we have the concreteness and realism of the Christian hope. So concrete and real. of The Christian hope epitomized, oh, it's beautiful, in the resurrection to life everlasting and signalized by the descent of Christ from heaven with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. We know when it happened. The signal is Christ, is Christ's return. It's concrete and it's real. That is the glorification we have to look forward to. There's a couple. Uh, we've looked at a lot of passages, but a bunch of them have application statements. Like 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18. I didn't focus on this one, but verse 18 says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So how should those words there be encouraging? What should we encourage one another about because of 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18? That's the therefore, and we're going to look at three passages if we have time. They have a what we should do with this. What should, why should we encourage one another? You can read those verses and say why we should encourage You raise a hand if you get, yeah, Melissa. We will always be with the Lord. That's very encouraging, yeah. Is there anything else encouraging that you see there? Yes, Jesse. Excuse me. It also just contextualizes all of our suffering. Hmm. 
that we've been in in First Peter in my Bible study and just every passage, you know, he's connecting suffering with the return of Christ. Mm. It's like he just he can't he can't talk about what's going on now without without thinking about the hope that he has coming. Yes. Yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, that is uh um, something to stop and, and 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 think about. We just make it. I don't know what we, why we do that. It's it's good teaching. We're really excited to be with Jesus, but we just have don't put enough uh, emphasis on that. That this this bad experience at times is going to end in a really good experience in a body, resurrected. Anything else encouraging you see there? Yes, Hugo. Came is like, am I running? Am I running? Um, I, I, I had two associations I want to make uh -huh. with this. One is, as a family, we've taken many road trips. Mm -hmm. And sometimes on the way there, we see interesting things. But that's not why we're making the road trip. So this puts into focus the future, which is the purpose for our mm -hmm. life. And, and that's to be with Christ, and, and, and all of that entails. You know, um, you know think of your, the other, the other word picture that came to mind is when you stand in line at a theme park. You know, the line yeah. is not why you're there, yeah, right? right? You're there for the, the ride itself. And sometimes I think we get too enamored with this life, but that's not the purpose. Yeah, yeah great. Thank you. Yeah, because the we, we we are waiting, but it's not just in line either, right? It's not just, and the world gives a whole lot of things that just seem very fascinating. It's not just to watch another football game or another basketball game, and then just we're not just waiting, you know. He's given us work to do, and uh, um, it it is going to be uh, worth it. Let's uh, look at another phrase. Is probably maybe two. Uh, you might be able to look at this next paragraph. But it also ends, and I've read it, you know, this is the passage where raised and perishable shall be changed, death is swallowed up. But he has an application at the end, too, in verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in, in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So what connection is there from this, therefore, and the rest of that passage? on our resurrection, our resurrection body, what is the uh, connection he's drawing for us? So this, this is why he wants to spend time on this. Well, one of the reasons. What's the therefore, therefore? Here he's talking about your, your, your imperishable body and sown and, and all the stuff, and then this is the therefore. Is it just, it's kind of obvious, right? He says it. We should be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So Paul is teaching us how we ought to live because of the new body that we are going to have. So that's what you should be doing with this. As we think about that new body, what do I do with this? Do I just imagine what the new body is? How exactly is my DNA going to be made into that new body? What does it mean to be sown in glory? Am I going to be shiny? Um, all of those things are fine, but that's not really the application that Paul wants, right? He wants you to be encouraged, as we saw. He wants you to be steadfast and movable, abounding in, in, in the work of the Lord. And then we've got 
one more at the end of uh, Philippians 3. He, he, he goes the same way. Our citizenship is in heaven in verse 20. We wait for a Savior. Transform our lowly body. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in, 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 in the Lord. So we see that the application again here of this great hope we have to look forward to of being forever in this body is standing firm now. That's just a little of the application we can draw for it. I'm sure over lunch, if uh, you uh, have time, you can talk more. Why should we live differently because of this truth? Let's, let's pray. Oh, Father, I thank you uh, for what you have just made very uh, clear in Scripture. But it's something that's not just mentioned once, which would still be clear. But it's something that you mention again and again that you want us to have convictions about that you want us to know um, that just as we were chosen in Christ, uh, we were chosen uh, to be like Christ. And that you chose us, Father, to have a body like his, a physical body uh, for eternity. Incredible, Father, that in eternity past, that was always your plan even before the creation of the world, was that your Son would put on flesh and that we would put on flesh too and that we would be forever with him in your presence, you being our God and us your people. And uh, we never deserved any of that, Lord, in the way that you did that at the cost of your son. I pray, Father, you would help us in uh, some time this week to be thinking about how we need to live differently. I pray, Lord, that you'd protect us from uh, the allurement of this physical world, Lord. We see you've made us to be physical, um, but not to be dominated by it, not to be captured. I pray, Father, you would help us to be abounding in work in the time that you've given. I pray, Lord, we'd have an appropriate uh, idea of suffering, an appropriate idea of using the time that we have here because of the time that we have ahead. Um, Help us to um, be faithful with the time you've given. Thank you for these uh, uh, brothers and sisters, and pray, Lord, that these things would be clear if they're foggy. In Jesus' name, amen.